Hello again and welcome to the Brattlecast, where we talk about books old, rare, and out of print. We talk about other things too, magazines, letters, manuscripts, people who buy, sell, and collect them. And the man here is the man who knows about them all, almost all of them by heart. He is Ken Gloss, the proprietor and the uh, the book lover at the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, the website brattlebookshop.com. And I say that jokingly, but you have so much information in your head. And every day, as we said in an earlier podcast, you're adding to it. Well, you add to it all the time. And, <laughs> and when, one of the things that I find, uh, and I'm sure if I asked you questions about radio, when you talk to somebody about something they really like, problem isn't getting them to answer. It's getting them to stop answering. That's the problem. When passionate people are around, you, you just have to deal with their exceedingly exciting passions. But but today, we're going to move into an area that I always love talking with you about, and that is books for children. And as soon as you laid that pile down, I said, oh my God, there's my childhood right in front of me. Well, to a large degree, or I remember reading a lot of these uh, we're talking about little golden books. Mm. Now, I brought a couple, and then there were a few other companies that put out similar. And one of the reasons I did that is a few years ago, I got called in by a colleague uh, who had somebody he bought a, an estate out. He had 4,000 little golden books. And then just recently, <laughs> I got called in by a store, a bookstore that was going out of business. And the books were okay, and we paid a, a decent price, but there was a whole library cot full of little golden books and similar things. Quite honestly, those are the things that sold the fastest. Those are the things. Now, we sell them at about a dollar apiece. Uh, there are collectible ones that go for a little more, but at a dollar apiece, they sort of they have the nostalgia feel to mm. them. They are wonderful covers. When we got the 4,000 books in our store, we uh, our employees sort of were having fun with them, and they'd say, pick one out. And and you had to guess, are you going to get a, a movie item, mm. you know, sort of a cartoon? Are you going to get a, a little animal? Are you going to get – but there was always something happy on the cover. Well, it's, the best part of all is that these books are then passed down again to the next generation. They're passed down again to the next generation, and one of the great things about the little golden books – they actually started in the 1940s, uh, I think it was 42, and they were at a price of 25 cents a piece, and mm. they were all nicely colored. But if you got a little golden book from 1942, and you get a little golden book that's published fairly recently, they all look the same. It's they, amazing. They don't change over the decades, do they? Very, much? very purposely don't yeah. uh, change the same. And the the most famous, the one that sold the most, I think it's... At this point, probably well over 10 million copies. The Pokey Little Puppy uh, is the most read one. And I remember when I was, uh, when my daughters were very young, I used to read it to them and read it to them and, and read it to them. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I would finish reading it and they'd say, read it again. And then I'd finish that and they'd go out and get my wife, bring her in and read it again. The same story. And mm. so that was one of the wonderful things, not only were they beautifully illustrated, they were simple, they were good, or they are good, I shouldn't mm. say were, they are good children's stories, but they were successful as far as financial, but it gets kids reading. They were stories that kids could take in easily. Right. And one of the one of the interesting things, too, when you look at them, they were also, in a way, very 
well, very subtle or not so subtle advertising. You'd have I have one here, Tom and Jerry, MGMs, Tom mm. and Jerry. Uh, here's one again from a different company, but the same idea. The Campbell's kids have a party and it <laughs> would be time. soup time or Roy Rogers and the de uh, Desert Treasure. So they were things that either you would see in TV, on the movies, but they were all simple, beautifully colored. That was, oh, here's Bambi. The uh, Disney. Here's Bambi. The Disney did a right. lot with little golden books. And they just well, they were they were done. lovely ways to cross promote the films or the cartoons or Roy Rogers TV show, right? I mean, they yeah. were they, and there was nothing wrong with that. It, 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 yeah. The kids loved it. So take for instance the top one, Bambi. I mean, I I remember having that book as a child, and I remember having that book for my kids who are now well yeah. grown. And and I I look at that, and it's the traditional artistry of Disney. And it's the same story, and it's uh, it's an evergreen. Yeah, and and what and what happens too is the people who put this out. It was first Simon and Schuster, mm -hmm. but the people who put it out did it in a way that children could easily take in what they were talking about, look at the pictures. But you know, you don't think of something like this being sort of a valuable part of the business. You sort of think it as being. So yeah, they come in, but I'll tell you, you go, you go to a house, you go to an estate, and they have a hundred of them. They have a couple of hundred. In one case, they have four thousand of them. Uh, that's going a little bit over the top in a way, uh, but at a dollar a piece, everybody can buy them, and they sell really fast. This is interesting. I'm looking at the Campbell kids have a party. There are recipes in the book and all that. On the back. Rand McNally, Famous Book Elf Books. There are a whole series of titles, uh, Parakeet Peter, The Campbell Kids at Home, Popcorn Party. Rand McNally, I only think of them for maps and atlases. Yeah, well, they no, they put these out. And like I say, the actual little golden books were put out first by Simon & Schuster, a division of them. So the large publishers, I mean, there have probably been well over 100 million little golden books sold. So even if they started out at a quarter and they were doing editions of a hundred or two hundred thousand, back in the forties, that was a, a great seller. Well, it's an audience that's totally built in, right? I mean, even today with video and all the enhancements, kids still love it when you read to them, and little ones learn how to read with books like these. Right, and and they did a really really good job with them, and so it can be a lot of fun. Sort of for me and mm. you looking at these and seeing Howdy Doody and the Lone Ranger, and it sort of bring back nostalgia. But if you take the pokey little puppy now and you have a two-year-old, a three-year-old, maybe even up through kindergarten, and you read it to them, they still love it. Yeah, they the magic. Like I, I have two grandchildren, and one of them is, is just six months, but the other one at four the magic is still there from something that I might have read as a kid. I mean, that's the beauty of this kind of stuff. A absolutely. And, and it's the everlasting. Other, the other thing that's great about when you read to children, I mean, if first of all, they love hearing your voice. They love that you're paying attention to them. Take, but try to read through a children's book after you've done it a little with them and miss a page or miss a word. You know that they're paying attention. They're listening. And they remember it over the years. Uh, my daughter, my older daughter's in her 30s. Uh, every Christmas, we had 
It wasn't a little golden book, but we had the night before Christmas in a particular edition. I still have to read it to her. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she still wants that particular edition. Good night, Those... moon. Good night, milk. Good night, mush. Good night, quilt. I mean, I've, I, it, all that stuff stays with you, especially for parents who have read the book out loud. Because when you read anything or speak anything out loud, it has a double whammy effect on your brain. You remember it more likely to remember yeah. it. Yeah. And one of the nice things about the little golden yeah. books is they're cheap. So, oh, yeah. and, they, and they stood up well. Let me just take a peek here as I fly back through the time machine to childhood here. Mighty Mouse. Oh, my goodness, was I a Mighty Mouse fan. Brownies Scouts. All about the brownies, their fun they have, and the interesting things they do. So would this have been sponsored by Girl Scouts of America, perhaps? Yeah, exactly. Ah, and, okay. and, uh, and also, too, that uh, what little golden books would figure... Well, first of all, obviously, the sponsoring organizations, I'm sure, were promoting them and putting some money into them. But also, you promote something to the brownies, and if the Girl Scouts like it, well, look at the audience you have that, that are going to be buying it. So it, one of the things that when you look at these great books like this, the little the children's books that were cheap, they're well-read, you remember them, they're nostalgic, but they also were good business. And because they were good business— they could get good artists, get good writers, get a, a system that works. So not only did they have it as something children loved, but at the same time, they were making a profit, which kept them going. There is one genius in the marketing office who came up with the idea of putting in the little golden books in the inside flap cover this little signage that says this little golden book belongs to blank, where the child could write his or her name. You know, it's interesting, that, but that was one of the things that I was going to get to. Oh, okay. That, that one of the things, they purposely put that in there mm -hmm. so that the kids could feel this is something they own. This oh, was their book. Brilliant. This, and, you know, as opposed to getting one from the library, getting one from school, uh, this this was your possession. This, And you got to write your name in as soon as you were able to write your name in. And they weren't that expensive. So... Nobody minded if they wrote into the book and uh, got it. Uh, so that's one of the parts that I really love about this kind of book. And walking into a bookstore that's going out of business and you think, well, okay, are there any rare first editions? Are there any like books on the Old West, you know, back in the 1800s or beautifully printed or illustrated art books? And actually what turns out to be the most interesting was – the little golden books, uh, and I consider myself fairly fortunate that the person who ran the store, uh, they they had them sort of off in a corner. Uh, otherwise, they would have sold them all. I'm just looking back cover of the Brownie Scouts. It says, how many of these little golden books have you read? And uh, there are upwards of 90 of them in this. And I'm sure there are many more posts this one, of course. It's amazing. Well, Just like I say, we bought a collection up. with 4,000 little golden books. Now, mm -hmm. admittedly, there were some duplicates in it, but they, they just kept putting them out and putting them out. And they actually, uh, the one size that everybody knows, those are the standard ones. But as you got into things later, they did put out little golden videos, little golden, uh, big little golden books, small little golden mm. books. But it's the one size and the one standard that if you looked at in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, right up to the 2000 teens, 
they look the same. And I'll just say this, of all of our podcasts, I would venture that most adults listening, and that's most of the listeners, would be able to exactly picture what it looks like, what it feels like, the size, the texture, everything about it. Well, it's and, universal. And I'm willing to bet that in many cases, uh, it's not just the adults because there's a whole new generation that still gets them, still reads them, and they still put them out. All right. Now, folks, if you would like to follow up on anything you hear on the podcast or come up with a suggestion of, of a topic that you'd like Ken to tackle, feel free to email him through brattlebookshop.com. And of course, as you're listening, don't forget, uh, we want people to download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It's growing in numbers all the time, and we appreciate it. Ken, thank you for bringing me back to my childhood. Uh, you know, it brings <laughs> me back to mine, but it also brings my, me back to my children's childhood, too. Yeah. It, they're wonderful. All right. See you next time on the Brattlecast. 